the 4 o'clock football frenzy. 4 o'clock is here. Get to football notes. We're going to talk to Miles Simmons, national insider around the NFL for PFT Pro Football Talk. That's coming up in less than 20 minutes. Big day on the ground here in Vegas. Devontae Adams here to speak to the media. I'm sure this will be the first of many interviews that go down this week and a lot to unpack on why Adams left the Packers, why choose the Raiders, the deal itself upwards of $140 million. And obviously from here we break down what the Raiders look like with Adams on what appears to be a loaded offense. Well, Adams today was asked about uh, his message to Raider Nation. Raider Nation, I'm here. It's real. Um, I've been seeing some of the reactions. I saw some live reactions from a couple people, a couple local uh, podcasts and stuff like that, some video podcasts where people were reporting some Raider stuff. And then I saw one of the guys saw it on there, just seeing me and my buddy were watching it yesterday. Seeing that, they probably think that, that you know, I would see it and not care, but that stuff means a lot, just just seeing how, how people react to that type of stuff because – um, you know, obviously I'm excited. I know the team is excited, but to see the, the community and, you know, the rest of the world. I was out golfing yesterday, and there's some Raider fans on the course, and they're just losing it, like different than if it was two weeks ago. I don't know. They see me, you know, for the Packers, and they're excited. But being back home and, you know, a lot of people in Cali are obviously Raider fans as well. So um, it's, it's real. So I'm excited. I'm ready to get to work, and, and we're going to do this thing. So, Candy, how do we balance being – and I'm not saying we, but fans, you know what, I'll, I'll include the media. How do you balance being excited to have a great player in the market, but then also dealing with reality and what the money was spent on here versus where it could have been spent? You know, it's really interesting, Steve. When this happened last week, uh, you and I got into it a little bit on social talking about the trade. And my thought was, if you can get Devontae Adams get Devontae Adams, but understand what you're doing if you do it, because he's now paid as the most paid player in the league who is not a quarterback. And you're paying him $22.5 million a year guaranteed over the next three. That's the real part of this deal, right? So if you're a Raiders fan, you don't want to hear about that, right? You don't want to hear me talking about contract numbers. You just want to know that you have Devontae Adams. And, you know, there's always a persecution complex with some Raiders fans. And so, you know, when I said... Hey, it's cool. It's a cool trade. It's cool to be excited. There was no there was no malice in that. There was no drag in that. It wasn't tongue in cheek. Be excited. If you're a Raiders fan, you have Devontae Adams. But here's the reality. You paid him at the level of the best wide receiver in the league for the next three years. You still have to pay Derek Carr. You already paid Max Crosby. You just paid Chandler Jones. You're going to have to pay Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and... Let's be honest, you still have the fourth best roster with the fourth best quarterback in a loaded division. So be excited because this is a guy who I'd want his jersey if I were a Raiders fan. But at the same time, does he put the Raiders over the top? Does Do you take 10 wins from last year and just immediately say, well, you added Devontae Adams to 10 wins? I can't, not for a team that went 6-1 and one, one score games and won its last five by a combined 15 points. Raiders had a lot of things break their way last year. They might just need Devontae Adams to win 10 games again in this division. Here's Devontae Adams at the press conference today talking about being back together with Derek Carr. I'm, I'm hoping it's fireworks, but, you know, we're going we gonna to do whatever it takes to, to get some wins, man. That's, that's what's most important. Um, the numbers are going to come, you know, in the, in, in the touchdowns and all that. I think we've established that we know we're doing 
um, you know, a, apart from each other, let alone when we get together. So we're both excited and, and ready to get to work. Derek's been bothering me to throw every day. I'm like, look, man, I got to sign. I got to do all this stuff, get some of the, the logistics taken care of, make sure my wife's not in too much pain. Um, but, yeah, we're already ready to get to work and, and start building on that connection that we built uh, over a decade ago. At Fresno State, yeah, his wife is pregnant. So, again, reminder, real life, real life matters in these decisions and uh, the timeline of getting him here and, and having a press conference. You know, we spoke with Tim Brown yesterday, uh, all-time great receiver for the Raiders, Candy, and I was asking him about, you know, the one of the real staples. I mean, I think it's, in terms of connections between receivers, a receiver and a quarterback, one of the great things about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is the back shoulder throw. And I do wonder if that's something that happens immediately with Carr and Adams. Just because they played together doesn't mean that they're going to have that mastered from the get-go. Now, the upside is if they can do anything close to what Rodgers and Adams had, that's sick. Because you, you got the sense, essentially, that Adams would just be you know looking whatever left or right, and Rodgers would make the decision. Whatever, whatever the signal was, like, it's time to go get eight yards or 12 yards and get a first down, wink, wink. And the ball always seemed to be there, and Adams always seemed to be in a position where he could catch it and block out any sort of threat from a defender. And I think that's the thing you have to look at with Derek Carr and say, there's an added responsibility on Derek Carr that comes with this trade as well. It's not just, oh, well, now you have everything. Go win the Super Bowl. No, it is to understand what made the Rodgers to Adams connection so special. And part of that was Aaron Rodgers' ability to improvise. It was his ability to get outside the pocket, to extend plays, and to find Devontae Adams when he was doing some freelance stuff as well to be able to help out the Packers' offense. So that really hasn't been a lot of what we've seen out of Derek Carr, right? We haven't seen him do a lot of that. He's a guy who tends to make most of his throws from inside the pocket, from inside structure. Can he take advantage of those special skills that Devontae Adams brings to the table? That's another piece that has to be added into this. So I don't think you immediately say, oh, well, you know, they were together 10 years ago and they've got it now, Cofield. You and I could do shows tomorrow and then take a break and come back 10 years later and I'll probably have forgotten a whole bunch of things and you and I wouldn't flow you know the same way I understand that's how it works for anybody in this situation but you know Devonte Adams uh to add to the last point that you made there because I think it's really important even before we got into talking about the contract and what the money means to him and his family you know they were asking him in the press conference about his connection with Derek Carr and saying well you know it's not like Derek and I spent the whole season or the whole offseason texting about this orchestrating this trying to figure it out he's like but don't forget we you know we text about real stuff all the time and there's a big emphasis on real and I think that's the part of this connection that you can't overstate is that these guys are super tight right and the last guy we had here who we knew was that super tight with Derek Carr was Khalil Mack and you remove that from the team, and now you add something back in, and that, to me, is where you start to build this connection on the field is that these guys already know each other. So it's funny, when you uh, said about a minute ago that you'll forget stuff if we're not doing shows together 10 years from now, uh, Ari, down our message system, said, Steve will remember, you know, something I remember, but I have a feeling that you're going to freaking dispute this, and I'm going to have to go back and get an old rundown. Uh-oh. But... I swear we did a show about uh, the day of, the day after, the next day when Len Fournette was being cut by the Jaguars. And I remember you going 
not on a rant, but repeatedly, because I was making the case like, hey, this is a valuable guy for another organization. And I swear you said repeatedly that he was washed. Will you now deny this? Would it make for better radio? Yeah, I'll deny it. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> denying it. I never said it. I never said a word of it. You, you are, you are a bald-faced liar. You are a heathen. You are someone not to be trusted. I clearly said that Leonard Fournette will put the Bucks over the top. That he is the missing piece. That he's oh, wow. not Fat Lenny. No, I'll tell you what we actually talked about. What we talked about was you were talking about as a pass catching back. I was saying right. I don't think that's really what the skill set is for Leonard Fournette. And it turns out. Rojo and uh, Gio Bernard were the pass-catching backs, but Lenny certainly found a good place with that Tampa Bay offense. Well, he assigned a new three-year deal for $21 million, and he was coveted by other organizations. I'm thinking the Patriots were thinking another LeGarrette Blunt because they had a lot of success with him. If, if you were Fournette, I have no idea what the money was with the Patriots. If you were Fournette, would you have walked if you could get no. the same money with the Patriots? Absolutely not. No way. No way. You're going to walk away from Tom Brady? You're not walking away from Tom Brady. You're going to walk away from Tom Brady to go play with Paunchy Mac? You're not going to go play with Mac Jones if you can Paunchy play with Tom Mac. Brady. Paunchy no. Mac. Paunchy, it's like Little Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, except he's Paunchy Mac. You know, he's, he's Paunchy Mac. He's Paunchy, Paunchy Mac. Yeah. Paunchy Mac Jones. Uh, March Madden is back this Thursday. Silver 7s is the spot to uh, watch the first day of the Sweet 16. We'll be on the scene. Early show, 1-4, to four, Silver 7s. Flamingo and Paradise during all March Madness basketball games. 77 cents on the beers. Bottles of Bud, Bud Light, McUltra. 77 cents. You can make your plays at the William Hill Racing Sportsbook right there near the Silver and Gold Bar. We'll be set up by the Bud Light Lounge. Open up your mobile account with William Hill. That's the best way to bet the games and especially in-game wagering, which you can bet quick, quick, quick uh, during all these March Madness games. Silver 7s, come see us. We'll have a ton of prizes and those 77-cent beers. During the game, Silver 7s is on Flamingo in Paradise, where they're live at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock start on Thursday. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. He's an unbelievable talent, generational even, but he's grindy. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. And you got to think that some of the guys in the locker room got exhausted by the grind. Now, I'm not saying specifically that that was Devontae Adams, but I just think it's emotionally exhausting. When you don't know where your quarterback stands, when you don't know where the franchise stands, you know, you don't know what the future is. You're trying to make decisions based on someone else's decision, and it can be a little overwhelming. Oh, this music's perfect. Great job by the Vast Sound Crew Lotus pulling the Jen Latabite from Friday, ESPN Milwaukee. Oh, just crank it up. Just the trudging along and battling in the Rogers trenches. Oh. God, I was hoping that Devontae Adams would come out today and say, you know what, I left Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers is a pain in the ass. I don't think we got that. I don't think we got that. Miles Simmons is with us, Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Hello, guys. I am doing all right. How are you? We're good. Did uh, Devontae Adams leave Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> he might have. I don't know. You know, I didn't get a chance to check out the press conference today, so I'm not entirely sure what he said. Um, you know, but uh, I, it, it's really interesting to me that when Aaron Rodgers comes back, we all assume, I think, that, you know, Devontae Adams is obviously going to be part of that. And then, you know, a, a day or two later or whatever it was, boom, he's traded to the Raiders. I mean, like, there were a lot of stunning things. 
but I, I should say, maybe I should put it like this. There aren't a lot of things that like truly stun me when it comes to the NFL. Like, you know, um, Russell Wilson going to the Broncos didn't truly stun me because like we all knew that there were reports he was disgruntled. Like the agent had put out last year, you know, Russell Wilson hasn't requested a trade, but if he did, da-da-da-da-da. And like even Deshaun Watson to the Browns wasn't, as stunning as it could have been because we knew that the Browns were in it before, right? Even though they had reportedly been eliminated. But like Devontae Adams going to the Raiders after Aaron Rodgers signs for as much money as he signed for, and given how important Devontae Adams was to that offense, like that was truly stunning to me. Surprising, but from a money standpoint, and I also don't believe that the Packers offered the same deal. I know that came out kind of late. And, I don't um, really either. Yeah, yeah, that but, seemed like saving face to me. But seeing the Packers have to make a financial decision on Adams, like we can't pay you, uh, you know, one hundred forty million dollars. Now we see Zadarius Smith is off to the Vikings, which really sucks. That's a rival. That's forty-two mil. This isn't shocking that if your quarterback takes, you know, a deal for fifty mil a year, that you're going to start to lose some guys. And we already knew they were in cap hell. Yeah, but the cap can be manipulated, right? I mean, think about what the Rams were putting in to their quarterback position. Last year, just with the dead cap money from Jared Goff after sending him to the Detroit Lions. And then also you bring in Matthew Stafford, who's got a decently high cap number. I mean, like there are ways that you can do this. And so I just feel like if if Devontae Adams wanted to stay with the Packers, if Devontae Adams were really willing to take a deal from the Packers to stay with Aaron Rodgers, then he would have done it. I, I, will, I don't necessarily think that like the Packers were just like, oh, my gosh, well, you know, we'll give you this and it's this and it's that. And, you know, Devontae, we would have paid him that much. I don't necessarily believe all that. Like, I think some of that definitely is the Packers saving face. And you can tell this because whenever a team is trying to save face, they will leak the same information to all of their beat reporters. The Packers do this. The Panthers do this. Like a lot of different teams do this instead of just going to one source, they go to like everybody. It's like, we got to push this news. We got to push this news so that everybody knows like, it's not really our fault. It's not really our fault. So I think that there's a little bit of both going on here, but like, I'm not, I don't buy that the Packers could not have kept both Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers if they wanted to, if, right. if those guys wanted to be there. I'm glad you said that because for me, I'm not really interested in covering the cap on a radio show. I think it's way I above think that's boring too. Yes. Most, most people's heads. And the other thing is it just seems like there are teams you mentioned Matt Ryan and the Colts and the Rams and the chiefs. And I thought the saints were dead, dead in the water. They're, they're, they're screwed, right? 70 million over the cap. We're seeing all these teams uh, led by the Colts, like this, you know, record amount of Falcons record amount of dead money. And they're still adding players. Right. I mean, the, the saints do this every year now, you know, it's their annual, um, we're going to restructure everybody under contract parade. Like they do with Alvin Kamara. They do Cam Jordan. They do this guy. They do that guy. And, and then they have to cut a few people. But usually it's veterans who you would maybe like to keep. But like at the same time, say, like, eh, you know, we, we can find somebody and they'll replicate that production at a lower number. Like Janoris Jenkins, they, they cut him last year. You know, a cornerback, he goes to the Titans and the Titans end up cutting him after one year. So the Saints have found a way to do this. And, you know, people say, oh, my gosh, they're just kicking the can down the road. And at some point, you know, the cap will come and it'll be cap retribution. And, like, I mean, 
Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But like again, you, you look at the Rams and what they did at the QB position after they gave all that money to Jared Goff, after they gave all that money to Todd Gurley, and I believe still had some dead cap money for Todd Gurley on the books last year. Like they still went and they they won the Super Bowl. So like I'm just I'm I, I don't buy that you can't do anything just because you know you you have salary cap restraints. Figure all it right, out. Miles. Yeah. So Miles, let's talk about can versus should when it comes to the Raiders in the AFC West, right? You don't just lay down and say, oh, well, Mahomes and Herbert and Russell Wilson, we can't do anything. Um, but if you're the Raiders, do you look at 2022 as a year that you think you can compete? Because Devontae Adams obviously steps defense up to another level. That being said, you still have some massive holes along the offensive line and now at cornerback as well. Okay, but so did the so did the Bengals, right? I mean, if we want to go that route, you know, the Bengals were terrible up front, and they've addressed that this year in free agency so far with Collins and Kappa, and they, you know, they've been able to do some things there that I think they needed to do to improve their team. But you know, I mean, they had Eli Apple starting for them in the Super Bowl, right? And they're making the Rams, you know, the jokes where they're making Apple turnovers, you know, with the cooking Eli Apple there. So I mean, there are ways that you can get past some of those things now is it going to be more difficult especially in a division like the afc west absolutely i mean as you mentioned those quarterbacks are all very talented but like i'm not discounting what the raiders can do you've got max crosby and chandler jones as your two bookend edge edge rushers with patrick graham as your d coordinator like i i think that's something to be really excited about you know you brought in Devonte adams who's arguably the best wide receiver in the league and he's already got built-in chemistry with Derek carr because those two guys played in college together and this is something that they've wanted to do. I mean, frankly, it's kind of like Dave Ziegler pairing with Josh McDaniels to run the football operation. You know, you've got two guys who were in college together and know how to speak the same football language. So I, I don't think there's any reason to feel down about the Raiders, even though they play in the division they play in. I think for the most part, they've upgraded their coaching um, and they've upgraded things talent-wise at wide receiver, obviously, and that helps improve your QB. And, you know, I, I mean no disrespect to Yannick Ngakwe when I say this, but I think Chandler Jones is one of the best edge rushers in the league, and I think he's perennially underrated. And I think playing opposite somebody like Max Crosby is really going to show what he can do. Oh, agreed entirely about the Chandler Jones edition. And that those two guys together is an upgrade over Ngakwe and Crosby. To go back to what you said initially, though, that's actually my point about the offensive line is what the Bengals did go out and do with that offensive line, right? You talk about the additions that they made. Uh, the Raiders are in a spot now here with that offensive line, though. So let's talk specifically about that because they have Colton Miller, one of the better left tackles in the league. And you could reasonably say that the rest of the spots on that offensive line are major question marks led by Alex Leatherwood. So with limited cap space, with limited draft resources, what do you think they can do to make sure that's not the Achilles heel of a team that has a lot of skill at the skill positions? Well, I mean, obviously you can address it in the draft and that goes to how well do you, how much do you trust your scouts, right? And how much the Ziegler trust the folks that have been in the Raiders organization already and have done most of the work on this draft class can really evaluate what this coaching staff needs in order to excel. I mean, look, the, the Leatherwood pick 
is is maybe going to be a bust. I don't know that we know enough to say that, you know, it's not like he's three seasons in or whatever it is with Cleef Earl, you know, and the rest of that um, first round draft pick class with Abram and also Josh Jacobs. I'm not calling Jacobs a bust, but like, I mean, those other two guys and frankly with um, Jacobs as a running back, I don't know if I would exercise the fifth year options on any of those guys. Right. So yeah, there are ways to still address this in free agency. <laughs> you aren't going to bring back Trent Brown. To this organization, I don't think in the Raiders, right? So that's one that's really yeah, that's no, pretty, yeah, I don't think so either. So, I mean, there, it, it's all about like who fits the scheme and can they bring up Leatherwood so that he can actually fulfill that potential as a tackle? I don't know yet. I mean, I I, I would like to think they can just because you know I like to think the best of people. Um, but I mean, there's going to be some guys in this draft that are in the mid to later rounds that can come in and can contribute. And that also goes to whether or not the coaching staff can identify those right people and bring them in and make sure that they're coached up properly. I mean, you, you had somebody, um, in center Andre James, right? I mean, they, the Raiders got really excited about him when he was a rookie and he was uh, an undrafted guy out of UCLA and he came in as a tackle. So there are ways to get viable options on the offensive line, even if they are not, you know, those big splash names that you might hear in free agency. Miles Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk. Go up and check uh, his PFT page. Uh, check out Pro Football Talk in general. He's got a bunch of stories up today, including a story about the uh, Rams and Les Need trying to craft a win-win deal to reward Aaron Donald. Uh, let's go back to the Colts trying to be competitive this year with a really good roster and going out and getting – Matt Ryan, do you think that is a winning move? Do they have one? Uh, I'm not going to say a chance. Are they the favorite in the AFC South, and can they really be in the mix to win the AFC? I, I would put them as the favorites to win the AFC South today just because I have some questions about the Titans' offensive line, the Titans' defense, and uh, the wide receiving core behind A.J. Brown. I, I love Robert Woods as a player as much as anybody. I think he was always underrated on the Rams. But anytime you're coming off that ACL, it makes life a little bit different. He got hurt toward the mid to the late end, up end of the season, right? So I don't know exactly what you're going to be able to get out of him, especially early on in the year. So I also think that the Colts have obviously big hole at left tackle. They got to figure that out because they didn't really do a very good job um, replacing Costanzo with um, Eric Fisher last year, um, coming off the Achilles injury. And but you know when you look at what Matt Ryan's done in this league and the fact that they've still got somebody in Quentin Nelson who can anchor that offensive line, Ryan Kelly at center, I, I think they're going to be all right in that area. You know, you're going to have to do some things to improve at tight end as well. You need another receiving option, whether T.Y. Hilton comes back or not. Like, they need a little bit more on the skill position. But I think with somebody like Jonathan Taylor, with Naheem Hines, who can be more involved in the offense because Carson Wentz isn't just going to, like, not look his way all the time. Like, he, you know, with Chris Ballard talking about their GM, you know, you've got to make the layups. Matt Ryan's going to do that. You know, when Matt Ryan was at his best in 16, they had, um, what is it, Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And those two running backs were a huge part, not just of the run game, but also in the pass game. So I, I think that Matt Ryan's going to be able to do some things there. And I think he elevates them to probably the favorite, especially because that defense is talented. I mean, they, they added Ngakwe, right? And he excels in Gus Bradley's defense. And he's now the DC over there, too. So I, I feel like they are the favorites right now, but I mean, I'm not I'm not like counting Tennessee out of it. But I just trust Matt Ryan over Ryan Tannehill. 
What's going on with the Lions situation? Is there a connection with Baker Mayfield? And uh, does this all play out with Baker Mayfield not starting anywhere next year? I, I think it does right now. I mean, my colleague, Mike Florio, seems to think that Baker Mayfield is just the best option for the Lions since sliced bread. And, like, I don't really see it, especially because if you look at the way the Lions finished the season and the way they were playing with Jared Goff at QB, I mean, those last five starts he had – he had a passer rating of about 102 and a half, which like is very good, you know, because these passer rating numbers kind of don't mean anything, but 153.8 is like perfect and it's very strange. But golf played really, really well. They've changed offensive coordinators. Now, Dan Campbell may or may not continue as the offensive play caller. But when we're talking about like, oh, well, John Dorsey, uh, who pricked Baker Mayfield, is now with the Ram, excuse me, is now with the Lions and he's working in that front office. Well, you also have Brad Holmes, who was the director of college scouting for the Rams when they picked Jared Goff. He's the GM. Last time I checked, GM outranks pretty much everybody else in the personnel office. So I don't care if John Dorsey is standing on the table and waving that, you know, crew neck sweater around and around and around his head. Like he doesn't outrank. Brad Holmes there. So if they like Jared Goff already, and if they were to replace Jared Goff, they'd have a hell of a lot of dead money to deal with. I don't understand what the appeal is of going with Baker Mayfield over Jared Goff. I, I think that like it's a wash in terms of what your skill is at QB. So to me, the whole Lions thing, like that, that's a Florio's pushing that angle. And like I he's well within his rights to do so, but I just I don't really see it based on the way they played. I mean, the, the only viable option right now for Baker Mayfield appears to be Seattle. And to this point, like Seattle does not necessarily seem to have that much interest. The Panthers leaked today that they're not interested in Baker Mayfield, which doesn't make any sense to me because I don't know what the hell they're going to do aside from like trying to draft a QB and maybe that makes them feel like they can extend whatever reign they've got going on down there. But like Matt Rule to me is a lame duck quarterback excuse me, a lame duck head coach. I, I mean, do do any of us not see Matt Rule going back to the college ranks next season? Come on. Like, they're not winning the NFC South now that Brady is back. Are they even going to be in second or third? I don't know. But, like, it just – so Seattle might be the case for Mayfield, but they're not going to – the Browns aren't going to get anything back for more than, like, a five or a six or, like, a conditional seven. They may have to tuck in a pick in order for Seattle to take on that salary. It, it's just, it's a weird situation now. And then where does Jimmy Garoppolo go? It seems like the, you know, the musical chairs are starting to stop and like there's no place for him either. So it, it's a weird situation now. Fun times, fun times. Miles, great spot, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, gentlemen, have a good one. There he is, PFT and Peacock, Miles Simmons, NFL Insider right here on Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company. I'm the reason the whole world love it. Now I gotta crush it. Vallejo fishes. Then you should be disgusted. How dare you sell a square fish asking us to trust it? A half slice of cheese, Mickey D's on a budget. Arby's crispy fish is simply it. With lines round the corner, we might need a guest list. Eggs is stage left, the sandwiches taste fresh. A little cube of fish from a clown is basic. Arby's, we have the meats. Arby's, we have the meats. Arby's, we have the meats. Yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on here. Pusha T? What? This track, 
Hey, it's Fat Pack time. We've got Pusha T diss track against the classic Mickey D's filet fish Arby's is making this gigantic push for their new fish sandwiches. I noticed this whole thing go down a couple of weeks ago when I saw a strange story that uh, was spread around a bunch of papers as some guy went around the the uh, it was actually a New Jersey writer because he made reference to some uh, I think a Roy Rogers that was on the the New Jersey Turnpike as he got one of the Roy Rogers fish sandwiches, but he rated 15 fast food fish sandwiches. Say that fast. And Arby's was at the top of the list. And I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? Not to question the person's integrity, but uh, I think Dairy Queen actually got a, had a top five fish sandwich. The filet fish was way down. And now Pusha T on the Arby's account with a diss track. What the hell is happening here? You are so old. Like, I can smell it. You smell old. Smell you sound old. old. You look Mothballs. old. You smell old. You smell worse than a McDonald's fish sandwich. You, uh, you smell like you've got that little piece of cheese dangling off you right now. Like, it's stuck in your beard. What's Damn. going on here? You got to get with it, man. Arby's fish sandwich is where it's at. There's two of them. It's at. There's two of them. Spicy fish. Um, no, you're not ready for no. You're not ready for the spicy fish sandwich. Just get to the regular fish sandwich first. We can't. We, we can't <laughs> put that kind of spice into your gut right now. Are you kidding? You'll be out for weeks. So I guess the background on this is what Pusha T did. He do the McDonald's song, and I, it sounds like over the years that he got nothing for that. That he got peanuts for it. So now he's a free agent and willing to turn his back. What was the song, Ari? What's the Pusha T song that's like legendary with the McDonald's campaign? It's uh, I'm loving it. They actually made a song for Justin Timberlake. Justin oh, Timberlake's wow. song, but Pusha wrote it. Okay. Do you think that's the root of this, that he got hosed first time around? He got nothing for it, so he's like, F this. I, read, I am all over Arby's. I'm going to crush the filet fish I read that he and someone else got like 500000 and that Justin Timberlake got $6 million. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but that is often how it works out. Like, wow. So, you know, I don't think it's – I think this is more of a – marketing thing but a, a brilliant one at that because even if you don't like the song it was all over twitter and jokes yeah. about rvs and all that so i like uh, i like the diss track and i like that uh this could be a big hit maybe bigger than the mcdonald's hit now i'll say this um and this this is from ncaa tournaments of the past because i watched the commercials during the ncaa tournament and they usually have like four that just rotate lily was really big lily was really big this last weekend this is one of the best uh, restaurant. We won't just limit it to fast food. One of the best restaurant jingles that's ever been made. And a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. So join us here this week, my friend. It's time for eating good. Shrimp sensations new in your neighborhood. Classic, right? Classic. And, you know, it's weird. The Vast Sound Crew will let certain... Non-paying sponsors on the show, but they just arbitrarily will just beep out stuff. So I don't, I don't know where Shrimp Sensations was at, but uh, that song was great. I think you meant Arby's, Charlie, right? Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Didn't that exactly what you meant? Vast sound crew over A three there. Three-hour Oh my God, that is painful. And by the way, a Gilligan's Island reference is not how you're going to save the discussion of you being old. In fact, you are making my case for me, counselor. I don't know that I need to jump in here at all. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Birthday. 
ESPN Las Vegas on a Tuesday. We check in with our uh, gambling insider, regular spot, Sam Paniotovich, is in Florida right now on his birthday. What are you doing on your birthday? Take off. I thought you were going to sing to me. That's why I joined. <laughs> no, we had a special birthday song coming in with a better voice than mine. Uh, what are you doing for uh, – do you do like a birthday week? Is it a birthday six hours? What are you doing? Well, as you know, I don't really stay in one place all that long when I travel. So I came in Monday – Spent Monday spending Tuesday, which is my actual birthday, and then Wednesday with the family, and then going back Thursday because the tournament is back and the Bruins have uh, a game with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I got to be at the Garden for uh, 6 o'clock pregame Thursday. I'm still working. Clearly, I'm still doing your show. You know, the thing (laughs) is, though, Steve, I don't want to be Wally Pipped. If I ever miss a hit on Cofield and company, you might find somebody younger and better looking and better sounding. So I don't point. want to take those chances. You know we, what I mean? We have people lined up to uh, do these spots, no doubt. <laughs> um, opening of the NCAA tournament, you did real well. I wonder, how did you do overall for the weekend? Because I saw opening two days, you were like 9-2-1. and one. I rein it back on Saturday and Sunday because I've historically known myself to be a very strong handicapper Thursday and Friday because I've argued over the years, and you and I have known each other some years now, I think that I'm very good at handicapping the first two game or the first two days because it's really a true test of balancing perception and reality. What happens to me on Saturday and Sunday is that I fall in love with the teams that I bet on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. So I fell in love with Richmond. I took them plus three against Providence. Providence played maybe their best game of the year on Saturday, so I lost that. And then I had Texas on Sunday plus four. Felt really good about that, even though they didn't cover and didn't win. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting them to be outshot at the fall 22 to 16 against Purdue, but I only had one loss on Saturday and one loss on Sunday. So that's nine, four and one in the tournament. I'm happy with that. It could be better, but Hey man, it could be a lot worse. I know one of the most important things you needed was Kansas to get through to the sweet 16. Cause you've been talking about getting good odds on them for the national title for a couple of months now. Yeah, 20 to 1 is what we discussed on your show in November, early November, because all the talk was about the Kentuckys of the world, the Gonzagas of the world. Uh, Arizona wasn't in the top of the photo yet. Kansas was sort of on the five or six line, and 20 to 1 I thought was a really good bet. This team is deep. They've got a lot of upperclassmen. They shoot the ball extremely well. They've got several options that can get a bucket, and I thought that was a great bet. And you're right, this is totally opening up for me. I need them to beat Providence, though which they should. They're a seven, seven and a half point favorite against the Friars who have played two high school teams so far. I'm not too concerned about it. And if they get through Providence, money line minus 360, by the way, they're going to be a 10 or an 11 point favorite whether they face Miami or Iowa State. So if Kansas can get through to the final four and I'm holding 20 to one in my back pocket, if you make the right future bet, as you know, you can start hedging off now. I could, if I wanted to, I could bet Gonzaga right now to win the title at plus 250. I think they're getting through that region. Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, is going to be plus 150 or plus 175 to win the title. So this is what I'm doing right now. I'm rolling Kansas through this weekend. I'm, I'm assuming they get through. I'm trying to figure out if I want to hedge either Gonzaga or Villanova right now. What would you do? Would you take Zaga or Nova or Arizona right now? Probably Arizona. That was a scary game. I already bet bet Arizona because I think people are overreacting to Arizona's performance against TCU. Um, I think this is a wake-up call. And Houston is very good. Cougars are very good. I was looking at the the odds in the south. Uh, Arizona's plus 180. Nova's plus 220 to win it. Houston plus 240. Michigan 6-1. 
So I look at the power ratings more than I look at the odds to win the region, and I think these are readily available. Uh, Jeff Fogel is a great follow on Twitter. He used to do some numbers for VEASAN. He's on Twitter at Jeff Fogel, F-O-G-L-E, and he posted the market power ratings. So they have Gonzaga, the market, at 91, Kansas at 88. So 91 minus 88. If Gonzaga meets Kansas, that's a three-point line. So Arizona is going to be, you know, a one two-point favorite against Houston and even smaller against Villanova. Those are two coin flip games. What is their price to win the region? Plus two what? Plus 180. Oh, plus 180. Ooh. I think you might have a better shot if you just money lined them and then rolled it over in the second game. You get a better payout. You get close. You get better than 180. That's for sure. What do you do in the West? And Gonzaga's minus 170, Texas Tech 4 to 1, Duke 425, Arkansas 10 to 1. The only thing that makes me nervous, man, and I'm so freaking nervous about this, is that the NCAA is going to find a way to get that Coach K in the final, like in the regional final. And then at that point, anything goes in the regional final. That makes me so nervous to touch that region. Uh, the East, Purdue has emerged now as the favorite, minus 105, UCLA 210, North Carolina 350, St. Peter's 20 to 1. I like Peters to cover 12 and a half if they can keep Purdue off the foul line. But that's, I mean, that's what yep. Purdue's style is. Yep. Uh, Hill, Adam Hill and I were talking about this. You know, it happened against Yale and it happened against uh, Texas where Purdue just shoots a million free throws in every game. Man, 12 and a half is high, isn't it? I'm not so sure because I don't think they can keep him off the line. I think the, yeah. the officials determine so much in Purdue games because both of those guys are going to force a lot of contact. So either they let it turn into bully ball or they ref it real tight and then you're screwed with your bigs on the opposition. I can tell you this. I know historically the professional betters, the wise guys, their favorite thing to do in the Sweet 16 is to flip the script on those dogs. Right. Everybody wants to talk about George Mason going to the Final Four in 2006. But most of the underdogs, the St. Peter's of the world, the Providences of the world, they usually get smoked in this round. Sam Paniotovich, Nesson, Fox Sports, gambling expert here with us on Cofield and Company Tuesday shows. Let's go to the NFL. Big quarterback moves the last four days. First of all, Matt Ryan to the Colts. Or is there any sort of odds change with the Colts in the division? but also to win the AFC. Yeah, well, let's start in the AFC. Uh, Westgate wrote a bet. How about this? Somebody walked into the Westgate in Vegas and bet $5,400 on the Colts to win the AFC. They got 15 to 1 on that bet to pay 81000 Some books are as low as 9 to 1. I see a lot of 12 and 13. Superbook wrote that bet at 15 to 1. But when I think about the Colts and the hierarchy of the AFC, like I think that's a good bet. Problem is, Steve, they have to outlast the following. Buffalo, Kansas City, Denver, L.A. Chargers, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland. Do you like that bet now at 15-1? to 1? I don't. Not really. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the truth of this conversation. And I think you can even throw the Browns in there as well, who added Deshaun Watson. And now Cleveland, you could find 7, 8, 9, 10 to 1 to win the conference. They're a better football team, but are they winning the conference? Are they going to get past Allen and Mahomes and Wilson and Herbert? My answer would be no. The division, though, I'm glad you brought the division up because that's a lot more interesting. This AFC South. I think is all Indianapolis is for the taking. And depending on where you bet, the Colts are either a very small dog or they're a very slight favorite. Like some books have MGM has Titans plus 15 and Colts plus 25. 
I think the Colts have the best offense in that division, and I like their defense more than I like Tennessee's. I would bet the Colts right now plus a quarter to win the South. If you shop around, that's the best number you can find, plus 125. I like them a lot more to win the division than the conference, but a lot of people are seeing that price 13, 14, 15 to 1, and they're like, ooh, that's a good number. There's a difference, though, between a good number and a number that can actually win. Right. That's all I'm trying to say. Right. Well, you're in on the Colts uh, Titans bet because Willie and I started going at it yesterday, Willie Ramirez, and I had the Colts to win the division. He had the Titans. So I think we're at 3 2 now with you, me, and JVT. And uh, on the other side for the Titans, uh, Willie and, believe it or not, Tim Brown. We ran it by Tim Brown, the former Raiders receiver, and he didn't. He doesn't like Matt Ryan too much. Uh, something interesting on the Deshaun Watson to the Browns. I don't see win totals up yet. Um, I wonder how the books are going to post win totals without knowing what's going on with Deshaun Watson in terms of a suspension for this coming season. Do they just keep it off the board until they get the news? Unfortunately, a sports book has you know the power to do that. I'm looking even at a book like DraftKings. Yeah, they don't have win totals up. And I think they were first last year to post the win totals. Uh, Nothing up yet in Vegas. Um, But if you're thinking about Cleveland, I mean, even with Baker Mayfield, when they played 16 games, Cleveland had a win total of eight and a half, nine. So if they have Deshaun Watson and you play the extra game, we're at 17 games now, that win total in that division with Pittsburgh on the decline, uh, Baltimore, I like Harbaugh, but I don't know that the Ravens are better than the Browns. I would think that win total, if you if you had me make it right now on March 22nd, I would probably make the Cleveland win total 9.5 over minus 30 or something like that. And then mm. there's going to be one book that would open it at 10 and juice the under. Division still is going to be – it's going to be a war. And I know some guys like Eric Eager at Pro Football Focus, he's been buying Ravens stock left and right. He's got the Ravens at plus, I think, 400 and plus 350 to win the division, and that number is now 2-1. to one. It's a three-horse race. Pick the one you like and bet it now. If you're right, you're going to have a really good number on whoever you take. What do we do at the AFC West? Can we bet the entire division to make the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, DraftKings, uh, I saw this and I laughed because there are going to be some people that actually bet this because they see the payout. They're offering you right now, will every team in the AFC West make the playoffs? The answer is no, yes, and they'll give you 20-1. to one. All right, what are the birthday plans tonight? Oh, I'll probably find myself in the bottom of a bottle somewhere. Uh, Drink some 43. I'm going to go with my parents taking me out to dinner, and I'll come home and study for the Sweet 16. You know the deal. I'm a worker, Steve. I I try and make everybody happy. Work, 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 work. All right, Sam, we appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. Happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. See you. That's our buddy, Sam Paniotovic. He joins us every Tuesday. Make sure you go check out his podcast at Chicken X Dinner up on Twitter. Giveaway time, April 9th show, 6 o'clock, Mandalay Bay, Mick Ultra Arena, Megadeth, and Lamb of God in town. It's your chance to get a couple of tickets. You can buy your own at the Mandalay Bay box office. Ari's got two tickets right now for Megadeth on April 9th, 364-1100, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.